Today, I am talking with insurance expert, Daryl Perry. Because he is so good with what he does, this is Daryl's second appearance on The Empowerment Zone. Welcome to The Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston, where we zone in on black and brown relations and our journey to empowering our communities. As many of you know, insurance is a complex topic for many, but no need to worry. In this episode, Daryl breaks it all down for us. Daryl explains the various types of insurance and why we should consider investing in each. As you know, insurance is something that all of us have to deal with. That is why it's so important for us to take the time to understand it. Like Daryl says, we all need a plan, not a plea. Daryl is a 10-year veteran of the insurance industry. Enjoy our conversation and see show notes for more information about Daryl. As always, please subscribe to the Empowerment Zone podcast and also give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Your support will ensure that we continue our journey in empowerment and impact. Thank you. Daryl Perry is back on the Empowerment Zone. He is your insurance expert, and I cannot wait to have a conversation with him today because he's talking about building your own reparations. Now, how you do that through insurance, I don't know, but we're going to find out from Daryl. Hi, Daryl. Welcome back to the Empowerment Zone. I'm happy to have you on the show again. Thanks for having me, Queen. It's always good coming here to talk about ways to help people of brown, black descent. Yes. And, you know, here at the Empowerment Zone, we're all about empowerment and impact, particularly in the African-American and Latino communities. And so we know the importance, uh, uh, role, the important role that you play in terms of making sure that people are insured and uh, businesses are insured. But one of the challenges we have in both of our communities is really understanding insurance and how it works. So that's why I'm so happy to have you on the show, especially uh, because we are now in the season uh, when we have to choose our insurance. Yep. It's that time of year. Yeah, Medicare is happening right now. And then the Affordable Health Care, a.k.a. Obamacare, starts November 1st. It's a short window. It's been shortening kind of year by year, but it starts November 1st. So all the billboards for gotohealthcare.gov is flying around right now. So this is definitely the uh, Super Bowl season of insurance. Yeah, so um, I love the way you uh, entitled it the Super Bowl season of insurance. <laughs> So before uh, we get into that season, we're in the playoffs now. We need to learn what's going on and, and hear a little bit of background about you uh, and your work. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how uh, you uh, became interested in insurance? Yeah, good question. So this marks my 10th year in insurance. I um military brat, so I really didn't know insurance until I was 21 when I lost it. The law when I was younger was... When you turn 21, you lost your parents' coverage. So I think I went to the dentist for something and I didn't know what deductibles meant, co-insurance, I had no clue because I always had military insurance that kind of covered everything. So I didn't know. So um, went to college, got an accounting and math degree. So I thought, hey, I'll be an accountant when I get to my settled spot in life. And that wasn't really in the cards because I had worked retail for a while. I had you know different leadership positions 
and going to use my degree was a pay cut. So Affleck found me through Career Builder, I think it was, and I had no clue what insurance was at this point. Even said no to Affleck a month before that when my wife was offered it because I didn't know what it was. And then uh, went to an interview and was like, oh, that's what this stuff does. It pays when bad stuff happens and helps you with this and that. Had no clue. Um, then fast forward was the number two account opener in the company for Affleck my first full year in 2014. And then I went on to you know build an agency, lead people. So now we got about 15 or so agents. Um, we work at about 200 plus small businesses and mid-sized businesses. And it's helping them understand this crazy thing called insurance. Yeah, so help us. Help me to understand this whole <laughs> crazy world of insurance. Like, can you uh, provide us like a little uh, basic 101 to insurance, the various types of insurance and uh, what, let, let's talk about first individual insurance and then let's get into business insurance because we know we have a lot of uh, business owners and entrepreneurs who listen to the empowerment zone. But let's talk yeah. about individuals first and then and, and then business insurance. Well, far as the one-on-one thing and making sense of it, you can see the Wu-Tang logo because you're, you're here watching me, but Wu-Tang is a big part of my life. And there's a, a TV show Wu-Tang has American Saga, where it's kind of like a biopic uh, with fiction about what, you know, what it was like having Wu-Tang created. And there's a scene in the, in the show where uh, Riz's brother says, you know, the legal system is written in such a way that people like you and I can't understand it. And you know, obviously Wu-Tang's an all-Black group, so that was a very real thing that it was written in such a way that the average man can't understand it. Insurance can kind of be in that same bucket because there's a lot of legalese in it. So part of it, the first thing I tell people is if you don't speak legally, get some help. Um, most insurance people don't charge you for questions. If they do, there's either something wrong or they're a very big firm and they have retainers, but most independent mom and pop places like my firm will answer a question just to help you understand it because um, I always think benefits aren't beneficial if people don't understand them. So when people call me and say, I don't know what my health insurance covered, it sucks. I'm like, well, it probably doesn't suck. You just don't know what it covers. If you knew what it covered, you would use it that way. So that's the biggest thing is just know what you have by just asking questions. Uh, the second thing is just spend time on it like your reality shows you watch. It kills me that people spend minutes, literal minutes, like two to nine minutes looking at their open enrollment, but they'll watch Atlanta Housewives for an hour. And I'm like, well, it's fun to entertain yourself, but that show doesn't affect your whole life for a year. Anything you make for an insurance decision pretty much affects your life for at least a year. So you should take time to look at it or get the advice to help. I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. That's how you and I met. And people um, will sometimes say, hey, is my plan good? And I would say, send, send it to me. I'll take a look. And they're actually surprised when I say, yeah, it's a good plan. I don't say buy something new every single time. I don't say switch it every single time. If it's good, I'll tell you it's good because um, some people work at large corporations and they just think, well, I think it could be better. And I'm like, well, no, <laughs> for what you have, that's excellent. That's like 1995 insurance that you have right now, 2023. So keep it. So just get someone that's kind of either impartial or they've been doing it for a while. But as far as the different sites for individuals, um, we're at the season right now where the affordable healthcare marketplace, Obamacare is being opened up. It's November 1st to December 15th. So that's basically for those that hear healthcare.gov, Obamacare, ACA, it's all the same thing. But that's the plans that are basically subsidized based on your income to either give you a good rate or a regular rate. The good rates for the people that are in quote unquote poverty, um, the poverty changes every year because of inflation. But basically, if you're at 100% to 400% of poverty, somewhere in that window, you get a subsidy to reduce your cost. Now it's based on family size. So for a single person making 100 grand, 
you're not getting a subsidy. <laughs> you're making too much money. They're going to say, nope, we're not giving you a subsidy. I know you might think a hundred grand, not a lot overall, because we don't know your bills, but the government just looks at what's your income based on poverty. So that's more than 400%. 400% is about 52,000 or so. So depending on where you fall on that, and if you have a bigger family, it could be better for you. But overall, that's the best vehicle for people that are, you know, I don't have a business. I don't have any employees. It's just me. That's probably your best bet if the numbers make sense. Otherwise, there's short-term health plans, which are kind of like people that can't get Obamacare. They can get a short-term plan. Short-term just means you get to renew it every six to 18 months. Um, it doesn't mean it's like you can't keep it forever. You can keep it for years, actually. But it's something that kind of got more popular right around 2013 when the ACA was coming out. Because they said, hey, we need an option for people that can't do Obamacare. So deductibles are higher for those plans, but it's good for a business owner that says, hey, I make money if I'm not here, or I got some money stacked away, but I really don't want to have a million dollar doctor bill. Um, you might have a $25,000 deductible, which sounds crazy, but the plans are cheaper. So saying if you barely go to a doctor, this is your stop loss to say, just in case something big happens, the hospital won't ask me for a million, they'll say 25,000 or whatever the case is. So that's really your main two vehicles for people that aren't Medicare age, which is 65. Um, if you're under 65, your real option is either a group plan if you get a business, Obamacare if you're just your own, or a short-term plan if Obamacare doesn't work for you. Great explanation. Um, and I like the way you started it off in terms of helping people. First, you've got to ask questions, and then you've got to take time to understand your insurance policy. A lot of times we just sign up during open enrollment and don't really understand what we're signing up for. Just give me the easy road and the easy way out. Let me give my signature and be done with it. But we yeah. really, really, really need to take the time to understand uh, insurance. And in terms of our choices in health uh, health insurance, um, I'm glad you laid those out as well. You know, ACA, um, a short-term plan, as well as um, signing up uh, with your own company, uh, it, it, you know, if you're an employee. So beyond yeah. uh, health insurance, what other types of insurance do people need? Because I know there are all types of insurance. And, you know, I learned a lot about uh, various insurance uh, policies in during my first job actually at mm -hmm. house when they were like do you want this do you want that do you want that and I was like well what is that what is this you know so um you know whether it was um you know uh health care or whether it was something for um taking care of parents you know getting off all those things can you kind of lay out the various yeah. insurance that people should consider uh, as individuals, as we get beyond just the health insurance? Yeah, so the, 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 the big three is always health, dental, vision. We're all pretty accustomed to that. There's not really a lot of fanfare for dental and vision. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say for people with dental and vision, don't just get it just to get it. Um, get it when you're actually going to use it. it. It drives me crazy when people have like a policy and they said, I've been to the dentist and I've had this for two years. Well, why do you sign up? <laughs> don't buy something just because you say everybody gets dental and vision get it when you're going to use it. At the end of the day, dental and vision is trading dollars. You're paying money to get a reduction on your cost. So if you're going to have some dental work done, then get dental. Now, I know you can't plan for the unexpected emergency, but overall, you kind of know I get a cleaning once a year, I get my eyes checked. And if you don't wear glasses, don't pay for vision unless you're going to do something. That's one of my biggest pet peeves is just get something you're actually going to use. Um, so that's the big three. Otherwise, you have things that are called supplemental insurance. Um, if you think about people with Medicare, Medicare always has supplements. 
if you ever talk to grandparents or parents that are 65 plus, they rarely have Medicare alone. They'll have Medicare in a supplement because they say, hey, Medicare only covers 80%. And actually, it brings an interesting story for black and brown people that when Medicare was first made, they didn't have that. They basically would cover everything. And then they started saying, wait, these slaves are going to be free. Um, we don't want them getting the same stuff we have. So let's make it so that it goes to 80%, because that 20% will kill them. They can't afford the 20% of those medical costs. So the reason today there's still gaps in Medicare is because of racism back when slavery was happening. And the supplements were a way to kind of fill that gap, because they said, well, hey, we can afford to buy supplements. We can buy these things to help cover the gap, but they can't. So it was intentional. So when people think, and, and this is kind of a sidebar, but you know, racism affects all people because not everybody has to get supplements because of the original Medicare plan said leave 20% out for the black people. So now supplements are a big industry because it's just the way we are right now. Uh, but young people can do that too. The biggest one besides medical, dental, and vision, I think everybody should have is disability insurance or short-term disability. Um, that's paycheck insurance. The reason I harp on that, if anybody listening to this ever goes to meet a financial planner, probably one of the 10 questions they'll ask you is, do you have disability insurance? The reason I ask you that because you're going to them saying, hey, I want to put $5,000 away a month for retirement. And then they'll say, okay, well, you got to do that for 20 years. What if you get sick and can't work for a year? What's going to happen to the plan? And you're like, well, I don't know. Okay, well, that's when you need disability insurance because if you don't work, you need income still coming in for this plan because financial planning is just math. It's not magic or anything insurance isn't math. Science is math. And if there's nothing coming in, nothing's coming out. So disability protects your income because without your income, you don't have a house, you don't have a car, you can't pay your health insurance premium if you don't have income. So disability is one of the big ones that a lot of people don't think about because they think it's a old people thing or people in a wheelchair thing. Pregnancy is a disability. Uh, mental health is a disability. A car accident that went sideways and was out of work for a month is a disability. And guess what? A lot of people go bankrupt because of these things. They might have health insurance, but newsflash, your health insurance only pays the doctor. It does not pay your mortgage, your grocery bill, light bill, and none of that stuff. So disability, I want to say it's the most important one, but it's one of the most important ones because if you're a working adult, unless you work for fun, then you don't need disability. But if you work for a reason to say, I'm saving for college tuition, I'm paying a mortgage, I'm paying bills, whatever, you should insure that kind of like if, um, if you imagine you had a $50, you know, say you had a machine in your basement, Ramona, that spit out $50 bills an hour. Would you call your insurance person and say, hey, insure that machine that spits out $50 an hour just so I can make sure it works? Yes. So you'd insure that just like a car or house. So you're that machine. Your ability to make income is the most valuable thing you own besides time. It's time and ability to earn income. Without that, you're really kind of useless to the world. <laughs> so that's where you say, let me insure that to say, just in case I can't work, let me get coverage for that. So we have health, dental, and vision. We have supplemental insurance to supplement the insurance that we currently have uh, through our jobs or Medicare. And then we have disability insurance, which protects our income. And you are so right in advising people to get disability insurance because a lot of people look at it as just People, but it, insurance for the elderly, like when they're going to yep. get sick, but you never, never know uh, what could happen to you in terms of uh, your employment and threats that may happen that may uh, prevent you from working. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had so, so many crazy stories in this field of just people needing that. I remember my kid's pediatrician. Um, we got Aflac set up for them. And then maybe three months later, the receptionist got cancer. 
And she had no history in the family, didn't think it was happening. And she got disability insurance and I think hospital coverage, which is a supplement policy. And she was out of work for about four months. So imagine that if you're, you're healthy and working and you're like, you can't work for four months. Like, what do you mean? Like, you just can't. You're going to get worse with your cancer. You need to take your time and be away from people. So no working. And a lot of us, America's work, the hustle culture is very big in America. So it's like work, work, work. But sometimes you can't. You got to sit down. <laughs> You're going to have to sit down sometimes. And that's just the one I wish, especially more black and brown people knew about it, because most of us don't hear about that. Um, I didn't know what disability insurance was until I was in my 30s because nobody ever sat me down and say, hey, this is what this meant. Like you had a good job that told you, Ramona, this is what this is and this means. My job just said, look, I gotta get this signed off before I get in trouble. Either you want it or you don't want it. There was no like insurance guy, it was just an HR lady trying to say, hurry up, I gotta get this done. So um, I take my time with people because of that reason, because I didn't get that same understanding. And there's websites to do enrollments and flyers they can get people. But I think the human conversation has some power because we're all afraid to kind of look at a piece of paper and say like, I don't know what this means, so we move on from it. So I think when you have a person who say, hey, I don't know what this means. Can you make this simple? I always think about um, Hinky Cole, Slutty Vegan. When I first met her, she said, explain this to me like I'm a third grader. Now, Hinky Cole, for those that Google her, she learned Slutty Vegan. She's a very good businesswoman. But she's like, I don't know this insurance stuff. Explain it to me like a third grader. And that stuck with me because I'm like, you know what? All of us aren't wired like me. I'm a nerd. I read this up and I find, I won't say fun, but I just, I don't like not knowing something. So um, I'll read it. But average person's like, this isn't my love language. <laughs> I don't want to read this all day. So just make it simple. Is it good or bad? <laughs> yeah, Pinky Cole, another uh, great fact that she's a graduate of my alma mater, Clark Atlanta University. And, yeah. you know, she is a business owner and she was saying, hey, help me to understand, you know, so people shouldn't feel some kind of stigma because they don't understand the language. Just get help. But uh, uh, work to get help from people who are actually interested in helping you and, and are interested in explaining the details to you. So yeah. are there are there any other types of insurance individuals should consider on the uh, individual level? Well, the last one's life, which we'll kind of get in more with the further conversation. That's probably the last one, which is one of the oldest types of insurance out there, but people kind of misconstrue it. They think of it like death insurance. And I think it's branding is bad for life insurance because term is death insurance for the most part. Term is basically if you die in this time frame, somebody gets money. But every other kind of policy is really life insurance. So we all know term because the cheap one. And uh, oddly enough, my own father only knew term. I didn't know this. My mom passed away three years ago. I didn't know he only knew term. I kind of assumed military guy, been doing it for 40 years. He's good. And then when my mom passed, I said, hey, we got to have the conversation. I just to make sure everything's good. And he's like, oh, I don't believe in life insurance. And I was like, huh? Pause. What do you mean you don't believe in life insurance? He's like, well, when I joined the military, they showed me when they said if I died in 30 years, y'all would get money, but I'm still alive. So it was a gamble. And I'm like, well, okay, that's true, dad, but that's only one kind. But all he got seen or got displayed was that kind. So I think a lot of us, if you listen in the, if you're ever in your car for 30 minutes, you'll hear a commercial about life insurance probably. And it's usually term. You'll see colonial pen commercial. Get insurance for as low as $10 a month. And it's always term. So term is death insurance, but every other kind that's out there is really for your life because it has living benefits. So we'll kind of get into that, but that's the other kind to look at. Okay, so let's move the conversation on. What other types of insurance uh, would you like to discuss? So term does have a place, but just remember for people that are listening to this, it's really for like when you have young kids yeah. or you have a liability like your mortgage, 
your business, a car, like something you say, hey, I want to keep this if something bad happens to me. So term has a purpose. Look at it like car insurance. Nobody gets mad they don't use their car insurance every month. We still pay it. He's like, I, I didn't like, I haven't had an accident in years, but I still got to pay for car insurance. Terms, the same thing. You might not use it, but it's there for just in case. The other kind is permanent insurance. Permanent insurance has a couple different types. You'll have whole life, uh, universal life, index universal life, guaranteed universal life. There's all different kinds of permanent insurance. The main thing for permanent insurance means it'll outlive a term because it goes past 30 years. It might say to age 100 or 125 because people live longer now. So some policies actually go to like 120, 125. Um, that's a legislation that's kind of going on now to say, do we increase the term policy or the length of time for policies? Because a lot more people live past 100 than say 20 years ago. But either way, it's basically saying this is your rate from now till a longer termination of time. Um, the good thing about those policies, they usually have cash value. So this is where my soapbox has been building your own reparations. I think about um, back in the 70s and 80s, life insurance was kind of a bad thing in the black community. Um, the guy would come knock on grandma's door and sell a funeral policy. And it was just for when somebody's dying, he collected money once a month. And some of those companies went up, they went under, you know, they didn't, they didn't survive financially or the policy had predatory practices that would say, oh, it would do this. But then when it was a black person, it wouldn't do that. So you would hear stories of saying, grandma paid for this policy all this time and it was only $2,000 and it's predatory. Now consumer protection came out. So that's a thing. <laughs> so since there's consumer protection now, we get the same thing everybody else gets. So there's no more predatory Asian people, black people, Hispanic people get different life policies. It's all the same. So because of that, I was thinking, you know, the idea of life insurance helps you build generational wealth in a couple ways, but our people don't know about that. We're used to death insurance. We're not used to, you know, you can use it while living, you know, you can borrow from it. And a lot of the biggest companies that exist today, like Walt Disney, he couldn't get money from banks. His parents got him a life policy because imagine in the twenties, you can't go around saying, Hey, I need money for the steam park with the giant mouse. They laughed at him and said, go away, kid. This that's stupid or uh, McDonald's, when Ray Kroc bought the recipe from the McDonald's brothers, he only had enough for basically starting the business, but not for payroll. So his life policy, he borrowed against it to help pay for payroll. Uh, JC Penney's was the stock market crash was happening. The only money that Mr. JC Penney could get was from his life policy. So there's so many stories of like brands that are still here from hundreds of years ago that only exist because of, well, I don't say only, but a big part of it with their creation story was life insurance. Now there's not as many stories in the black community of that, but that's kind of what I'm working on. So let, let's talk about that. You you know, when you talk about reparations, first of mm -hmm. all, how do you define reparations and how are you connecting reparations to insurance? So when I think of reparation, I think about it's righting a wrong, but financially, if you think about, there's a, there's a, there's a movie out now called Silver Dollar Road. Um, just saw Amazon that Prime. last week. I just saw it last week. Yeah, it's, it's, it tears, ooh, that gets you. That movie gets you. Cause yeah, yeah. It, it, good family was you know but the family started having in you know battles in inside the family but the idea that we had things taken from us even recently but before that everybody the majority culture was given land and given you know gi there's different things given to the majority culture we didn't get and when you think about reparation i'm thinking about well you know asian people have gotten reparations for uh, japanese people for um the uh, world war ii um, Jewish people have gotten reparations, um, Hispanic people have gotten reparations. We haven't gotten anything. And it's one of those things when you think about the infrastructure, when you think of stocks and bonds, it was built on black people. We were the stock. The original stock market was owning us. 
So when you think about the only reason the S&P and NASDAQ and Dow Jones is existing because of us, we were property, we were stock. So we should get something, whether, I don't know, care what amount it is, but something to say, hey, you were the descendants of chattel slavery. So we should give you something because you had a leg behind, you're 400 years behind. So we didn't get the same financial start that everybody else got. It was basically starting a race from 400 years behind. So I think it's just, hey, try to make it right, at least acknowledge it and say, hey, here's some money because this is, I might get canceled for thinking this, but all these wars we're going through now, we could stroke a $100 billion check in a week and say, here, Ukraine, here's some money. Here, Palestine, or here, Israel, here's some money. It's like, well, we've been asking for this for forever. <laughs> you can't give us anything. So I'm, I, I believe that one day it will happen. I'm, I'm an optimist. I don't want somebody to think I'm a negative Nancy and it's never going to happen. I'm an optimist. It will probably happen at some point, but I'm not holding my breath. I never learned to hold my breath that long. So I'll say if it happens, it happens. But in the meantime, what can we do to control our destiny now? And life insurance is that easy vehicle because anybody probably can get some kind of life insurance. And if you go on Instagram, Clubhouse, TikTok, the main thing to talk about generational wealth is real estate. Now, I don't know about you, but my family can't afford to buy multiplexes. <laughs> they can't afford to buy duplex and rent somebody in it and all that. That's the, that's the American dream is to buy a multiplex, rent it out. But the people you're doing are like TI and you know rappers and celebrities that they can do that. Everybody can't do that. So I said, okay, what's a vehicle anybody can do? Life insurance. It's something that the tax code has five different parts that preference of being tax free. They don't have that for real estate. Life insurance would be five parts to say this is not to be taxed. So when you think about that, well, why is that getting preferential treatment for life insurance, but not for real estate? Because it's kind of like a magical thing that you can have something, pay this premium for this time, they need a large shot of money at some point in time, but also you can borrow from a tax free. So if anybody ever gets bored, if you ever go on the FDIC webpage, the, the Federal Deposit Insurance and Commission, and look up any bank's balance sheet, Every bank has billions of dollars with a B in life insurance, not real estate, but life insurance, because what they'll do is they say, oh, Ramona, you want to get a mortgage? Okay, um, we'll give it to you at 8% compound interest, but we're going to give you the money from our life policy that we have billions of dollars in, and we'll borrow on it for simple interest one time while you pay for it for 30 years compounded. Hmm. So they'll pay 6%, 4% interest one time when they borrow the money but you'll pay 8% every single month for 30 years. And since banks sell money, my logic is why don't you copy the people selling money? Don't copy your cousin that's trying to sell sneakers and the president doing this and that. They sell money. If they sell money, do what they do and don't be a stock advisor necessarily, but life insurance, if you get a policy, it's the same thing to do. You become your own bank. And that's where there's power in that that is not controlled by the powers that be. It's your control at that point. Love that idea. Reparations is really a system to correct injustices among uh, various communities who've experienced some type of injustice. And yep. African-Americans have been seeking reparations for years now because of the institution of chattel slavery, as you explained. And so since we do not have reparations yet, although there is a commission in Congress to study reparations and puts forth yeah. a suggestion every year uh, to repair the wrongdoing that has been uh, done to the African-American community, you're saying that through uh, life insurance uh, that we can actually build our own uh, financial base, our wealth, and borrow, borrow money to... Uh, improve our financial uh, uh, 
financial situations by ourselves. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And when you hear the word borrow, some people think borrow. Well, it's because it's something that basically the policy has a cash value account. And the crazy thing is if somebody dies and that cash value account is depleted, you just don't have a death benefit, but you still got that cash in hand now. One of my clients is uh, Candy Barres, which uh, she runs the uh, Old Lady Gang restaurant, but she's most famously known from Real Housewives of Atlanta and also from the musical group Escape. And um, when she was 25, um, people were like, girl, you need to go buy houses and cars. And she had a good financial advisor. I can't say this is me, but I just know the story. Her financial advisor said, hey, Candy, you should get life insurance. And she's like, really? He's like, yeah. So her friends are buying houses and cars and she's buying life insurance. And now she's worth somewhere around the tune of $30 million. And we can't say how much of that's life insurance because you can't obviously disclose that. But she says, my kids have it. My husband has it. Anybody I talk to, I tell them, get it. Because her logic was, white folks get rich doing this. Why aren't we doing it? And not in a negative way, but it's like, just do what they're doing. If they've had this game rigged before we got into it, just copy the game. And if they say when a kid's born, they buy life insurance, we're always like, that's morbid. No, because you're thinking death insurance. It's called life insurance for a reason, because that policy you bought for Billy when he was one day old, it'll become cash value when he's older to start a business so, or so save for college. So so let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about, let's give specific examples of how African-Americans and Latinos can use life insurance policies to benefit them financially in order to build intergenerational wealth. So, Perfect, okay. uh, so, so let's use an example. Let's say uh, we create an insurance policy, a life insurance policy um, for, uh, for one of our children at the age of five. Can mm -hmm. you explain what that process would be? We'd give $50 a month or whatever, and just and then what happens once we build that and how we could use it to build wealth. Can you just give us a, yeah. a, a lifespan of a life insurance policy? Yeah, good question. So with kids, the reason you do that, because with insurance, you're looking at the cost of insurance for death. So they're thinking when someone's five, the likelihood of death is way off. It's way down the line. It's nowhere near versus somebody calling me when they're 84. Like I got someone today, they're 84 year old. That's going to cost a lot more because, hey, 84. <laughs> so a five-year-old, the cost of insurance is very low. So what you're doing is you're going to overfund the policy. Overfunding means that your cost of insurance is, say, $10 a month. $10 means your death benefit's covered. But if you put more than $10, then you start building cash value. It's called overfunding. Kind of think of it like a reverse credit card. With a credit card, if you pay the minimum, you always have debt. You never get ahead. You have to overpay it to reduce the debt. Life insurance is the flip side. Your minimum keeps the policy, but if you overfund it, you get cash. So with a five-year-old, the cost of insurance literally could be like $10 a month. So if I say, you know what, I'm going to put $50 a month in this policy, so I got $40 in cash accruing. And what the policy does is it has an interest amount. It'll either have a flat interest amount of its whole life, or it'll have one like the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, some index. So index ones I like more because the index can have more upside because the S&P pretty much goes up every year. It's probably been about seven to 10 times it's been down in the course of its history. So it's usually gonna go up. So you have a higher in credit that way, but basically the policy will have credit every year of like, oh, okay, the market went up this much, here's your credit for that. That's your cash. And when a child turns, let's say 18, um, you might say, this child's not really probably college material. So I can use this money to start a business to say, hey, you know what? Instead of you getting a job somewhere, you love art. Why don't you open an art studio? You got $100,000 in cash in your life policy, start a business. 
Um, the story I think about that with it is Master P. Master P, his grandmother had a $10,000 life policy that he's a beneficiary for. Now, $10,000 is not like a lot of money, but it got him no limit records. He was a rapper already and said, I want to start a record label. So $10,000 was enough for him to do that. So that was just for her dying. If you say for a kid, hey, you build cash value for this. You can use it how you want to. Use it for college. Use it for a business. Use it for a house. I don't care, but it gives you a leg up because it can build the, gen the cash value that way. The other flip side to that too is some of us are health challenged in the black and brown community. So we can't get life insurance sometimes because we have you know diabetes, high blood pressure, something that makes it cost restrictive. So you might say, hey, five-year-old, I'm also doing this for me to say, I'm gonna overfund this. A portion of this is for you, but a portion's for me. I'm paying for it. So yes, you're gonna benefit from it, but I'm also gonna be the owner of the policy. So I could borrow against this too, to say, you know what? I wanted to do this for my retirement, but I wasn't, I was late to the game. So I'm gonna use your youth to build us both some cash value. I can use it for me and I have, you know, 50% for you, 50% for me. That's something I do for my people that have either a chronic disease, like an HIV situation, lupus, sickle cell, and they can't get approved, or it's just for their kid. But basically you're basically using a system of saying, this policy is meant for cash. That's why it's called life insurance, not death insurance. So anything permanent, you wouldn't do term for this. It's gonna be a whole life, IUL, GUL, BUL, something that has some kind of cash value. That's a good explanation. And that kind of really helps us to understand why we need to get life insurance and how it can be used, you know, mm -hmm. for our children or for ourselves. Because a lot of people, you know, when we get ready to build businesses or buy those homes or what have you, we're starting from scratch, right? And and getting loans uh, instead of, um, if we were uh, financially educated, uh, we might have a little bit more um, to start our lives with. I know one example that my husband always talks about is that with African-Americans in particular, uh, when we go to weddings, we're, you know, giving little gifts like, you know, a coffee maker or, you know, something for the new home, you know, some what I shouldn't say little gift, but you know, some material yeah, object. Yeah. Yeah. Some object. But yet when we go to, um, weddings of, of, uh, of many people in the white community, they're given, um, you know, the, uh, a check for, um, a down payment on a home. And we're right. like, what, you know, the, the difference. And the reason is, is because of the financial education and that money didn't just come from anywhere. It's been, it, it has been built over a long period of time and it's been strategic. Oh yeah. And you think about our, our education system. Um, like I know a friend of mine, they took their, their daughter to college. And like, the first thing you see is like, get a credit card and get a t-shirt. Yep. Like, and it's like, I, and I fell for that when I was a kid. I fell for the credit card thing. So I, I raised my hand. I, I fell for the, I maxed it out and had problems with my credit for a few years when I first started. But you got to think who's teaching the system. The banks are teaching it. Banks benefit from debt. Banks benefit from you getting loans. Bank benefit from credit. They don't benefit from life insurance as much. So, and the flip side of that, if you think about it, who owns most of the stadiums in the United States? Insurance companies. The State Farm Arena, the Allianz Arena, the Mass Mutual Arena, the insurance companies own most of the stadium, but we don't see, it's right there in front of us, but we don't see, oh, these are the guys that have the game right, but the banks teach the system to keep them profitable because um, I have beef with things like, like Susie Orman, Dave Ramsey, they work for banks. So they always say, buy a term, invest the difference. 
I've rarely met someone that did that because they see, oh, it's $8 a month, I'm gonna pay $8 a month. They don't think about what the difference in cost is, they just do that. But if you ever were to corner them with a gun to their head and say, do you have life insurance? I promise you they do, because it's something that is a guaranteed payoff, um, it's tax-free money, and then I can use it while living for cash or for long-term care situations. So it's a really win-win-win situation, but they work for banks. So they're gonna tell you, do one thing with the other side of doing something else. And wealthy people have multiple life policies. They will have one for the house, one for this kid, one for that kid, one for the business. They have multiple because they know this is the, the code. This is the thing we couldn't get. If you even think about, again, when I mentioned the bad policies, they got good policies. We got the ones that were, were paying for it and only paid $4,000. So they don't know, what do you mean I don't like life insurance? Like, well, our grandparents had bad experiences with that. But when you look at them, they're like, no, I love life insurance. <laughs> I got this money for my grandma to let me do this and that. And they, they love it because they saw the good side of it. So I'm just trying to say, if we can't get reparation from a government entity, we can take control and do what they've been doing for years. They've been doing this since life insurance existed. They've always benefited from it. And thankfully, the Atlanta Life Company got resurrected by Magic Johnson recently. So yep. that's the only black life insurance company now. I'm working with them and getting some collaboration going. But that's something where whoever the company is, they can't discriminate you based on race. It's it's only your health. So if you can't get it health-wise, use your family. Build something with that nephew you have that you said, you know what? Instead of buying them a Jordans or a PlayStation 5, I'm going to buy you life insurance and overfund it for you. I will appreciate it a lot more. I wish I had every game system when I was a kid. I wish I didn't because that was fun. But if I think about my, my earlier formative years in college, I wouldn't have got that credit card and messed my credit up. I would have got a house sooner. I would have, you know, there's things that would have happened differently for me if I would have had that versus having the PlayStation. So lastly, how can, how do you feel that insurance can advance empowerment and impact in the African-American and Latino communities? I think that um, people move differently when they know they have protection and insurance. I look at, um, I, so I, I go on YouTube and watch little dumb videos and stuff. And I see like these uh, daredevil people like, you know, flipping on motorcycles and playing with snakes and jumping off cliffs. And black folks historically have not been into that kind of stuff. We're like, nah, that's, you could die. <laughs> and I think about, you gotta be some kind of different level of, I don't care or like, I'm good to do certain things. Like I'm terrified of snakes. I would not go running around with a venomous snake jumping at me, but see some of these guys are 25, like my parents took care of me, I'm good. We got life insurance and all this. They won't say it that way, but you gotta think, you must be really comfortable with your finances and your living situation to do the things you do. So I think that that lets you kind of have a different confidence to say, hey, if anything happens, we're good. If I get hurt, if I get sick, if I die, whatever, my family's good. That's where I think it gives you the empowerment to just know, just live life. Cause you just know that whatever comes your way, you're good. And that's why my mantras have a plan, not a plea, because um, I see too many GoFundMes and fish fries and car washes because they don't have a plan. So they're begging for money when something happens. So this is a way to say, hey, at least if you have that, I've noticed my New Yorkers, like they swear by life insurance because they've seen so much bad stuff. Like New York and Chicago, they're like the biggest ones like, man, I better have a life policy. But some people are like, well, nothing's ever happened. So I think the empowerment is having that in place lets you move like a rich white guy. <laughs> So uh, I am a big advocate for college success. So Daryl, uh, what college did you attend? What were your majors and degrees? And what strategy would you give students to ensure that they're successful in college? 
So I went to two. I went to Fort Valley State University, HBCU here in uh, Macon, Georgia, or make Fort Valley technically, but Macon. Um, then also the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. I did a stint there as well. Um, my degree is accounting and mathematics. It was originally mathematics and computer engineering, but I didn't want to build a robot. So I went on to accounting. But um, for our success, I think the biggest thing, college teaches you how to think, to me, is what the biggest things it teaches you how to think. So I think the main success is go outside of your curriculum. Like I wish I would have read more personal development books, uh, leadership books, communication, that kind of stuff I wish I would have read more. And also some more history, but beyond what the school gave me. Um, it was amazing I went to HBCU, but didn't learn a lot of black history because the textbooks are made who they're made by. And some teachers will pour into you, but that was where I got most of it was from the teacher and at the textbook. So I would say when you're in college, take some of that time to look at the skills that will help you outside, like the actual life skills of how do I communicate something I'm trying to sell? How do I lead people? How do I run my time to manage my time? Those are things that I wish that I took more stock in in college that I would that tell my kids all the time, like, listen, <laughs> read these books I talk about, listen to these things I tell you because it'll help you get ahead of people. Love it. Go outside of uh, your curriculum and read materials that are not necessarily connected to your major in order to learn life skills. Thank you so much, Daryl. Uh, appreciate you. A special thank you to the incredible team of the Empowerment Zone. Terry Ann Gully, theme song, NADWorks, digital support, and of course, our featured guest.